I invite you to turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy, Paul's second letter to Timothy in the third chapter. It's typical for us to usher in the new year with a review of the, the habits that shape and guide our lifestyles, not just spiritually. Um, some will get on the scale and uh, survey the damage done by the excess of uh, in- excess intake of holiday sweets. Um, dietary and exercise habits will be renewed. And um, a similar audit will be taken of our finances in the aftermath of perhaps overly aggressive sharing of Christmas love. And budgets will be restored. Similar audit will be taken um, uh, whether it's stepping on a scale or opening up your credit card balance or simply looking in a mirror, such a review of where we're at um, cannot come too soon, can it? The COVID pandemic has only intensified the necessity for such recalibration. Since COVID, um, I work most days at home and I shave about half as often as I used to and I wear sweatpants most of the time, and I had hip replacement surgery the first week of November. I haven't seen an exercise machine in over two months, and I feel like I'm wearing skinny jeans, though I never have owned any. We've been FaceTiming with family for the holidays, and uh, (laughs) people that we haven't seen in a year, I look at my sister, I look at my brother-in-law, I go, there's no makeup, there's no hairstyling. I'm thinking, Do I look like that? Uh, It's uh, obviously varying limitations imposed on getting out have to one degree or another affected us all. But remarkably, of all the things to which we have experienced some measure of limited access, there are two things from which we have not been barred. There's been zero limited access to reading the Bible or to approaching God in prayer. So for nearly 10 months, many of us have experienced some measure of limited access to normal human gatherings. For some, the impact of these limitations, uh, whether it's emotionally, physically, economically, socially, it's been significant. But for these same 10 months, hearing God's voice through this book. Talking to God in prayer have not been limited at all. How would you say this freedom of access has affected you? Each January, as Ryan has said, we've we've sought to stir up fresh motivation for the practice of what we call these habits of grace, uh, disciplined activities by which we put ourselves in the path of God's lavish and life-giving presence. And this year, 2021, perhaps more poignantly than any other year, it seems vital for us to engage freely, purposefully in hearing God's voice in His Word and having God's ear in prayer. So that's what we're going to give our attention to for these next four weeks. Brief series of sermons to focus on profiting from God's Word and prevailing in prayer. We're going to begin with a very familiar text, 2 Timothy, Paul's second letter to Timothy, the third chapter, and verses 16 and 17. And if you're able, physically, 
um, and willing uh, as an expression of our reverence and desire uh, for God's word, or hear his voice. Please stand, follow along as I read these two verses. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, or the woman of God, the child of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is God's word. It's holy and authoritative and life-giving. So let's pray. Lord, just these, these few words, because they are your words, breathed out by you, have infinite substance to them. And therefore, there is infinite value even in just a a sentence. And we pray that you would put that on display, that you would make that real for us uh, today and every day and more and more so uh, throughout this new year. We want to be a people who are complete, equipped, full, filled up in every way that that you might get glory in us and through us. So that's what we're looking to you for now in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. I, I know of parents who've sought to motivate their children to read by offering dollars for books completed. I think we actually tried that once. Um, clearly, we did not offer enough compensation. Uh, but uh, if you could get paid for reading the Bible, would you read it? How much would it take? And what kind of profit margin would you look would look like a good deal to you? According to Scripture itself, Scripture intake is a profit-making venture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. It's profitable. What makes Scripture profitable? In what sense is Scripture a means to gain? What return does one increase for receiving the teaching and the reproof and the correction, the instruction of the Bible. Profiting from God's word means, at least, that we are fulfilling the purpose for which God created us. According to verse 17, the gain or the profit from God's word has to do with the completion of our God-intended design. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable that the man of God, woman of God, child of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So the gain that comes from God's word is this fullness of ability to accomplish every good work. Now, at first that doesn't sound all that motivating. It sounds like we're saying, you know, we're being compensated in order to better accomplish that for which we are being compensated. Or or say it another way, it sounds like the purpose of the Bible is for professional development. Here, read this and you'll be better at doing your job. 
And what, what is the good work for which Scripture supplies completeness? What, what is the good work for which God fills us, completes us? Well, throughout the New Testament, the good works consistently refer to the purpose for which God made us. And so what then is the substance of these good works? Why are we here? Why did God make us? Or to say it another way, what is the chief end of man? And according to God's word, the chief end of man, the grand purpose for which we live and move and have our being is to glorify God. So the good works for which God's word equips us and fills us and completes us is so that we might glorify God. According to 1 Peter 4.11, God created us to the end that whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Or to say it another way, according to 1 Corinthians 10.31, most simply, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And though there are countless ways by which our words or our service or the way we eat or drink or the way we do marriage or parenting or the way we work or recreate or do leisure, the fundamental purpose of God is that it is all fulfilled, it's all carried out in a manner that points to him, amplifies his greatness, magnifies his beauty and wonder and majesty. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in all that he is. So loved ones, the good, the greatest good for which God made us is to experience our highest and deepest and most enduring joy and pleasure in him. But all have sinned and we all continue every day to fall short of treasuring God in a manner commensurate to his infinite worth. We're we're all falling short of treasure. We're falling short of pleasure and gain. We're missing out on profit. And what we need is completeness for our God-given design. What we need is fullness for our God-given end. We need to be equipped with more fuel and more faith and more self-forgetfulness. We need nothing less than a steady supply of the supernatural fullness of God to fulfill the divine purpose of God. For you see, a supernatural God is only known through supernatural revelation. And God has graciously and lavished, lavishly supplied this supernatural revelation by and through Holy Scripture. According to verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. This is from God. You re recognize what an astonishing gift it is that God has communicated himself to us. All that he is to us and for us through this book. These words are the very breath of God. My wife and our three sons and 
they were all born and raised in the Aloha state of Hawaii. The, the word Aloha is actually made up of two words. Alo, which means the presence or, or the face. And ha, which means, guess, breath. The aloha. And the way that native Hawaiians or many Polynesian peoples greet one another is through this aloha, or otherwise known as the honehone. The honehone is a rather intimate act by which two people come together, touch their foreheads and noses to one another, and then they exhale through their, their noses. And uh, <laughs> it's the aloha, before the face, the presence, and the breath. And uh, let's just say it's kind of an in-your-face way of <laughs> greeting. And uh, if that person is um, a Hawaiian, Polynesian-type person, it, it, it can be somewhat intimidating. It's quite personal. It's not for Scandinavians. And, 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 and yet this book is the aloha of God. It's the means by which he touches us intimately, face to face, and exhales his breath. And it is a greeting that one does not often forget. So how is it then that we read this book with such little effect? I'm sure that you've experienced time when you sat down with your Bible, read for a while, and you realized pretty quick, I have no idea what I just read. Um, and, and isn't this so often the main reason that we find it not so terribly difficult to leave this treasure trove unopened for long periods of time? We leave it because nothing happens. <laughs> There's no aloha. This is, and, and, and this is why it is so apparent that truly profiting from God's word begins with new birth. A supernatural God can only be known by means of supernatural revelation. Where scripture is unknown, God is unknown. Further, the only way a supernatural God can be known is through supernatural capacity. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Requires spiritual discernment, supernatural discernment, in order to experience supernatural revelation from a supernatural God. Jesus said in John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's just no recognition. In January of 1980, I began a habit of reading through the Bible the entire Bible, every year. I hesitate to tell you that because it sounds so intimidating. <laughs> but it, it means that I have actually read through the entire Bible every year for 41 years. And, and, and you could be thinking, like, that, that's insane. How is that even possible? 
Well, it helps to have a plan. <laughs> I've used the same Bible reading plan for 41 years. I haven't used it the same way every year because I just like to change things up. So this past week, I started again. I sat down in a quiet place because I had some uninterrupted time, and I read the first 17 chapters of Genesis. And then the next day, I sat down again, and I read the next 17 chapters of Genesis. But like many of you, I've experienced dry spells when the Bible doesn't seem all that life-giving. And it's not uncommon to miss a day or two now and then. But, but here's the thing. The desire returns. The joy and the pleasure in it returns. I haven't read through the Bible every year for 41 years because there's some, you know, rule, biblical rule that says this is what you have to do. It's rather, I would describe it more like there's an impulse in my soul that sort of sets off this uneasy, sometimes yellow, sometimes orange, sometimes red flashing light if I don't get back to it. And after a few days, I go, I just got to get back to that. And so I do. And I think this is what the prophet Jeremiah is referring to as the new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 33. Listen to this. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I'll be their God and they shall be my people. It's not some external thing going, do this or pew, pew. It's, it's in there. There's an impulse in other words, the only way to know God and discern God and even desire God is through the power of the new covenant that has been established in and through the death of Jesus on the cross. Desiring God and his word is a miracle. Sticking with it is a miracle. Profiting from it is a miracle of new birth. And new birth is the miracle of tasting that the Lord is good. Our friend John Piper writes this, before new birth, God doesn't taste good. He tasted boring. The Bible was boring. The cross was meaningless. Heaven wasn't real. Nothing about any of this tasted satisfying or real. Sounds, sounds like a spiritual COVID virus, right? No taste. But after new birth, something has come alive. There are taste buds that are now tasting something. And it tastes good. And I want more. So, loved ones, listen, just because we now have spiritual taste, we still need to be exhorted, as Paul does for us in 2 Timothy 3.16, to eat. Spiritual eating just isn't automatic. Our desire for God's word, those desires rise and they fall, and our spiritual appetite's strong one day and weak the next. And, and 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 is telling us that we've got to eat to be complete. We keep eating in order to grow up. We keep eating to fully enjoy the pleasures of God. We keep eating in order to gain profit. And profiting from the word means that we are fulfilling the purpose and the design for which God made us, namely to enjoy him and to glorify him forever. 
Profiting from the word begins with new birth. But profiting from the word, uh, from God's word, also I think we need to recognize is a developmental process. In other words, God's word gets more done, it gets down deeper, it increases in its gains over the long haul. Or to say it another way, those who are looking for instant riches will most likely be disappointed. Certainly there are significant spiritual gains that come right away. First readings. 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul acknowledges how Timothy, from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So saving faith comes through hearing. And hearing comes through seeing the glory of Christ and the words and works of Christ recorded in Scripture. And the Spirit's of work, the Spirit's work of regenerating a soul, we, we believe that is an instantaneous thing. But loved ones, many of the sweetest gains, the sweetest profit, comes as we engage with God's Word over time and with repetition and time and repetition, and time, and repetition. In my own testimony, I know a light went on for me when I was 10 years old. I saw my need for a Savior. I knew that apart from a Savior, I was guilty and headed to hell. And a light went on. And then another light went on during my freshman year in high school. I found that following Christ actually was meaningful. This is good. It makes sense. And then the lights really went on my last year in high school. I wanted Jesus for all he was, to be Lord over everything. And then during my seminary years, the light went on with such brightness. It felt like I was, I, I, there, was there were things about the glory of God and his sovereignty. It was like being born again, again. And, and through the following years, there were many, 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 many more deeper and brighter discoveries. But then in 19... In 2007, I was just recounting this this last week, I happened to stumble on a sermon by a friend of mine by the name of Rick Gamash. It was a sermon on Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, entitled, Jesus Christ the Perfect Man. It's been more, after more than a quarter century, right? 27 years. I I heard that sermon, I read that text, and a light went on in my heart, and it was like I had never heard the gospel before that moment. And it started this resurgence of hunger and thirst and joy in all that Jesus was for me. And and, and that was that gospel resurgence that was not just happening in me, it was happening, I know, in a lot of people around the world. It, It led ultimately to the actual planting of this church. My friends, this this book is the infinite, eternal word of an infinite and eternal God. And you can be certain there will be riches next year and more treasure unearthed five years from now and more profit to be gained at the second, tenth, twentieth, forty-second reading of it. All Scripture... 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man, woman, child of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So how do we do it? 
How do we profit from God's word? And this is just old review, okay? Four very obvious and very simple suggestions. First one, read it. (laughs) Read God's word. You can't profit from God's word unless you read God's word. In Ephesians 1, Paul writes, I do not cease remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Now see, that's, that's the good works part, right? That's what we were made to experience. That's what we were saved to experience. That we might experience the supernatural person. Through revelation, knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. That's what we want to get to. Joy in that. How does it happen? Where do we gain revelation in the knowledge of Him? Where do we see and learn and know of the eternal hope there is in Him? The riches of His glorious inheritance. Where? The immeasurable greatness of His power toward us. Where? How do we get that? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians 3 verse 4. When you read this, You can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. You read it. (laughs) We profit from God's word by reading God's word. We profit from the riches of God in Christ when we open and we read this book for the joy of beholding his glory. So, get yourself a plan. There's a ton of plans. um, And read. You You don't need to read the way I read. I'm an aberration. There's other things about my reading that I will not tell you because you would think that I was some uh, obsessive, compulsive weirdo. But just, you know, just relax and read it. Read one psalm a day. Read one chapter a day. Um, I I read crazy, so I read relax and I read uh, renew. But if reading for you is a chore, find your way to just get your head and your heart into this book and start digging for gold. Some have found the Bible reading challenge that was developed by Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho to be helpful. If that's good for you, go with that. I've found the discipleship journal reading plan to be helpful. Some days I just read a chapter and some days I'll read chapters and chapters. But take a a plan, adapt it, and read. Some will find reading the Bible out loud together with others exceedingly useful. But there's really no way to profit from God's word without taking in God's word. So, very easy. Read it. Second, meditate on it. (laughs) To meditate means to linger. To meditate means to think. To meditate means to kind of swish it around in our nugget. Let it soak. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And here's the profit. Here's the gain. 
He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Do you see the gain? Do you see the profit? Fruitfulness, freshness, fullness, completeness, life. All as a result of meditating on God's word. You see, loved ones, God has ordained that the ordinary means by which we commune with him, hear him, know him, experience him, fellowship with him, in this river of life, is by ongoing, day-by-day reception of his word. Meditate on it. Third, we profit from God's word when we pray God's word. And praying God's word simply means reading or reciting scripture in a spirit of prayer and then letting that that truth give us vocabulary, gives us meaning out of those verses. They become prayer in and of themselves. They inspire things that we think about to pray about. For example, in, in Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes, We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So you read that and you pause and you go, hmm, to be filled with the knowledge of God means that you you, you are captured with the glory of, of who God is and his purposes. So Lord, capture my heart and my soul, and my mind with the glory of all that you are and, and the glory of your purpose so that, so that I will want to pour out my life to fulfill your purposes. You pray that. You pray it. Pray that you'll be captured with, with God and the glory of his purposes so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. If we pray that, it will actually make a difference in how much we understand, know God's word, and walk according to his purpose. So, Lord, help me to walk in a manner worthy of you. Help me to be pleasing to you in every respect. God, bear fruit in my life, every good work. Help me to increase in my knowledge of you. Pray that, and you will profit from God's word, and you will experience increasing completeness for the sake of every good word. Pray God's word. And fourthly, we profit from God's word as we trust the promises of God's word. If the purpose of God's word is to equip us fully to give glory to him, and God is most glorified in us when we're most joyfully satisfied in all that he is for us in Christ, then we can know that we are actually profiting from this book when we are living by faith in the promises that it proclaims. Romans 15.4 testifies, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. It's so crucial. For to live for the glory of God is to live by faith in the promises of God. So Romans 4.20, a testimony of Abraham's life, 
It says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced, fully convinced. This is the meaning of what it, this is what it means to trust God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. It's not blind faith. It's not just have a little faith. It's not just believe like you see all over the place at Christmas time. Just believe. Just believe. Believe what? Trust what? Be fully convinced of what? Be fully convinced that God's able to do the very things he has promised to do. So, we've learned this little acronym, APTAT, right? You, you admit you have a need and then you, you identify a promise that relates to that need and then you entrust yourself to that promise and then you act and then you thank the Lord. And so the... Um, I had a sermon yesterday, and then at five this morning, I felt like I didn't have one. So I started all over. And then at eight, I concluded that that really wasn't a very good one, so I started over again. So I got here a little bit harried this morning. I'm not sure if I have felt that kind of discombobulated in a long time. And so I admitted on the way here that, Lord, this is going to really be bad. <laughs> this could be really bad if you don't come through. And I am in great need of you, and so I, I need to trust you. And Isaiah 41.10 is, is a promise that gets a lot of mileage for me, and so I, I chose that promise, and uh, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I'll strengthen you. I'll uphold you, sustain you with my righteous right hand. So I prayed the promise. And, um, oh man, um, that, was, that was significant. I entrusted myself to the promise. And here I am acting on the promise. <laughs> and I believe that probably at some point uh, in the, later on today, I will thank God for the fulfillment of the promise because really, he's the one that's getting all the work done. So where does this kind of a confidence to trust him come from? According to Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing. Hearing through the word of Christ. We profit from God's word. Through reading his word, we profit from God's word by meditating on his word. We profit from God's word by praying his word. And we profit from God's word by entrusting ourselves to the promises that are communicated to us in his word. And we know that we can entrust ourselves to them because Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.19, all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So loved ones, at the beginning of 2021, I exhort you, pursue profit. <laughs> pursue gain for your souls. Profit for the glory of God through the word of God. Let's pray together. The fact that you would so communicate yourself with such intimacy and with such clarity and with such supernatural means 
And that you would take out of us a heart of stone and put into us a heart of flesh. And that you would overcome every obstacle to our benefiting from, profiting from such glorious revelation. The fact that you would do that, Lord, is such an astonishing gift. And you've done it. You've overcome each and every obstacle and made every promise of your word a guaranteed yes through the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, through the cross of which we are about to intentionally and uh, sweetly bring to memory yet again. So we thank you, God, for this precious gift. Lavish, lavish gift. Lavish treasure that you have set before us. And as we embark in this new year and recalibrate yet again our, our, our bodies, our minds, our souls, our finances, our, our everything, at the very top of this list, we would have your word engaging in it fully soaking in it, reading it, meditating on it, praying it into our hearts and souls, entrusting ourselves to it. Lord, use these, this wonderful means to fill us and complete us so that we might walk in the goodness of the purpose for which we were made. In Jesus' name, amen.